Welcome to Think Orphan, the podcast for orphan excellence. Real talk with real people navigating the global orphan crisis. Let's join our hosts, Phil Dark and Dr. Karen Hutchison. Hey guys, welcome to the Think Orphan podcast. This is Dr. Karen. Thanks for joining us today. Today we are wrapping up our series on um, the refugee crisis, and we're excited to share kind of some overviews and um, just kind of talk about what we've learned in this series. Yeah, I know I'm I'm excited today because as I'm looking back over, you know, in fact, right now I'm just looking at the the thinkorphan.com page with all the different people that we've been able to interview for this. And, I, and I, you know, when I was getting ready to do these interviews, I was excited. And now after doing all of them, I'm even more excited to know that we have this uh, just repository of incredible content with people that know these issues intimately. And, you know, so many personal connections, so many different connections uh, with uh, people who have have made movies. You know, we have the, the Iraq, the Forgotten Hope with the Foremans. And, and I've since then been able to meet Joel Parker, who's with Nations. And they, they're the ones who made the film. And they're doing some amazing work. And, and then to interview, you know, Jeremy Courtney with Preemptive Love and what they're doing. And Steve Haas and Emily Gray and Dermomo from from uh, uh, oh, from uh, World Vision is Steve Haas and then World Relief with Emily Gray and Dermomo and and Scott Arbiter and Khalil or Halil excuse me from World uh, Vision as well um, Krish Kandaya you know so th- there's just so many people if you if you missed any of those folks out there you go go listen to them because they not only uh, give you a really a rundown on what's going on with the refugee crisis. They give you ways to get involved. They give you ways to really think about these issues um, with a personal bent, you know, to, to, to put flesh onto these issues. They're not just, you know, things that are on the news. They're not just some movie that you're watching. This is real life, you know, and, and so often it takes um, things becoming uh, personal to us to get us to care. And I wish that weren't the case, but I, I know right now, in fact, I woke up this morning and there are fires. Um, if you're following the news right now, you'll know when we're recording this, there's fires in Napa and Santa Rosa here in California where I'm recording. And it's real because I have friends and family who are, who are, whose houses have burned down and they've lost everything, you know, like with the flooding, with the hurricanes, with everything going on. But this morning I woke up, I walked out and I smelled smoke. And it really hit me that sometimes it takes smelling smoke to really make it real. Well, the reality with this refugee crisis is there are refugees in our midst. There are people in our neighborhoods. There are people in our churches. There are people in our, in our communities, in our kids' schools that are you know, people who have been displaced, they've been resettled, they've been put in a place that is so outside of their, what, they have any clue about what's going on. And we are potentially able to help them in different ways. And that's something that, especially in the last episode with uh, Dermomo and Emily, they start talking about the vetting and resettlement and how we can really get involved with them. So those were the things that really hit me that, you know, we, these things are real to us. They should be real anyway, but unfortunately with human nature, sometimes it takes that, you know, in our face, they're actually in our midst, um, to really, to really get us to care. Um, but I think that I am hoping that listening to these, 
uh, interviews, listening to these people will make it real to us, will make it personal to us, especially as Christians where we are known, you know, for our love. We are known to welcome the stranger. We should be anyway. And this is such a great opportunity to be able to do that in real ways today. So Karen, you know, with that, what, what really kind of stuck out to you um, with this series and, you know, rolling off of what I talked about there or, or really anything else that, uh, that uh, really grabbed you in these uh, several weeks that we had. Yeah, I'm tracking with you, Phil. I think that was very similar to um, some of my kind of takeaways. I, I think it might have been Jeremy Courtney who um, said the statement of, and maybe he didn't say it exactly, and maybe it's just what I'm taking away from it, of that personalization of um, the trauma experience and that personalization of each of the refugees that um, all of these people are, are working with and all these organizations are, are working to help. And um, you hit the nail on the head there of, um, you know, making this become something that's a priority and, and kind of more real in our world. Um, I actually was looking at a magazine. I was taking one of my kids to um, an eye doctor appointment this week, and it was just a local Louisville magazine, but it was featuring refugees here in Louisville. And even for myself, um, you know, having worked in um, trauma, and uh, we have a really great organization here in Louisville through the University of Louisville called the Survivors of Torture Recovery Center, and I'm connected with that organization as well. But even having those connections, reading that magazine about refugees here in Louisville, I was able to read that still with, um, I, I think, a more compassionate lens and a more awake lens um, just from the series that we've been doing, Phil. And I've learned so much about how how personal it really is. And again, like I, I know the things related to trauma and I've known the pieces related to how it impacts kids, but hearing um, such specific information and hearing those numbers and really trying to um, understand the the global crisis, but then um, being willing to pare that down and, and really see it from a family's lens and a mom's lens or a child's lens. I think that's so incredibly important. That was one of the things that um, was a take home for me. And then two, just becoming more knowledgeable about what does it look like related to this whole border issue. And um, for me, um, it's unfortunate, but I will admit that I tend to just try and stay away from those type of <laughs> media conversations, I um, tend to choose ignorance over that. And that's not a good thing. And so just hearing, um, I think maybe it was Scott pressing into what it would look like to meet those issues with compassion, but also, uh, you know, emphasizing security as well. Yeah, that's something that that Definitely, definitely stuck out to me too, was just these guys who are, are very smart thinking about these issues every single day and they're coming up with, you know, look, we understand every one of them was, say, was saying, yeah, security is important. Of course, security is important. We're not just going to, you know, let people, you know, come across the borders with, without any vetting, without any, um, you know, security just to say, let's have compassion. Let's just let everyone in. Cause we love, you know, love trumps all right. You know, and, and, I think it's a good place to start that we're going to love first, right? We're going to love as, as Jerry, you know, they talk about with preemptive love, right? It's, it's, we're going to love first, ask questions later. Well, there's, there's a little bit, you know, a nuance to that, obviously. And I think that when you talk about the vetting that is in place, which that episode with Emily and Dermomo mm -hmm. talked about, you know, yeah. that this vetting pro and, and Steve and Scott and these other guys talked about it too, that it's not just, you know, 
that anyone who wants to come to the States can come. In fact, most people don't want to come to the U.S. or don't want to go to, they want to stay where they are. They want to stay home. You know, it's like with, with anything, you want to stay home. Even when it's crazy. I mean, you saw that with the hurricanes. People are like, no, I'm home. Right. I'm not evacuating. No way. This crazy storm's coming at me, but you know what? I'm home. That's where I'm going to be. And that's where most people, most people want that. And that's something for us to understand and to grasp because what we see are people coming to the U.S. and they make a life for themselves. And we usually see them a few years after where they have resettled, where they are comfortable, where they are coming out of their house and getting involved in the community. But when they're just getting here, they're, I, I mean, that story with, with Thermomo and Halloween, I mean, it's right. just... It's like, could you imagine you're coming to a new country, completely no clue what to do. And you see a bunch of people in costumes and you've never been told about this thing called Halloween at, you know, in the U S and how they celebrate like terrifying. What (laughs) in the world is going on? But, you know, to, to realize that and then to realize that they don't choose to come here. They are chosen to come here and they're, you know, it's really, you know, it's forced displacement. And so when you took coming at it from that angle, you start realizing that the chances of someone coming in here through this process, it would be, you know, like winning the lottery, right? The, it's, it's, the odds are so, so slim, maybe even less than winning the lottery because, you know, there's no vetting in the lottery, right? So, so I think that was something that really stood out to me, um, too, was, was that. And then hearing that from Halil. Right. Hearing about the, you know, the, from the, from the eyes, from the lens and from Dermomo, from the eyes, from the experiences of a refugee. Right. That made it a lot more real to me as well. And, and I think I have the advantage too, where I actually got to have the conversation with them. Mm-hmm. So I heard that, you know, in response to a question after researching them and after understanding them a little bit deeper. But my hope is through this podcast, we can really give you all out there the feeling of that same feeling of, of what it's like, you know, to be able to actually ask the question, actually be able to have this conversation and sit down with these people. And so, that, you know, those, those were the things that, you know, like you talked about, even if you aren't following in the news, even if you're not in the political conversation at all, I think you got a flavor of it, but you also get to understand that, you know, if you're on that side of let's just welcome them all in, maybe you were also challenged to think, you know what, that isn't wise. You know, we can welcome the strangers in our midst. We can welcome the stranger. We can love the uh, foreigner and the and the oppressed and the sick and the poor and the orphaned and the widow without taking these, uh, you know, uh, unnecessary risks that aren't wise. And, you know, it's, it's, it's something that we do need to risk to love, but it's something that we also are called to use wisdom, right? We're called to use, um, our intelligence and our common sense and things that we, you know, we need to do to be able to, to love people. You know, if a guy's coming with a machine gun to your front door, you don't just welcome him in and say, Oh, come on in with my children, right? right? You, you're there to protect your children and you can say, Whoa, I gotta, you know, call the police. Cause there's a dude wielding a machine gun on my front lawn. Um, and so I, you know, that's obviously a, an analogy that does, that breaks down on many levels with, when talking about this, but if there was, you know, things that were obvious, the security, the vetting will cut, will catch that and they won't let these people in. And so, yeah, that, that was definitely something that, that was, um, for me, that was really the thing that was, you know, a, a good conversation, but that's not really what hit me hard about these conversations, I think, because that to me is such a small part of this conversation, but it's become the biggest thing. Mm. 
in, in the media, right. right? To me, that's such a tiny, tiny, tiny little aspect of this. And unfortunately, it's become the, the proverbial mountain out of a molehill um, when it comes to the actual issues that arise from the uh, refugee crisis. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the another thing that really stood out for me, which I think ties into what you're you're saying here, is um, I don't remember who it was. You probably do because yeah, you remember all of these things, Phil. Um, but whoever it was that shared with us that that typical stay within a refugee environment is 17 years, and mm-hmm. just hearing that was just blew me away and on so many levels and um, of really pressing in to, you know, when we're trying to become involved and what does that look like to use our gifts and our skills or our financial resources to help um, legitimate and, um, you know, appropriate organizations? What does that look like? Not just to look for what, what do they need, but also what is it that they're feeling? I mean, imagining literally being ripped apart from family, from, um, your culture, from your homeland, from education and, uh, work opportunities and careers. And, um, of just realizing that this isn't just a short term situation. We hear about it in the news. Uh, we see it in the news for a couple of weeks and then we don't hear about it anymore. But knowing that this is literally almost decades of people's lives that they're spending in a displaced environment. And I think that was, um, some of the things that were so encouraging to me though, is hearing about, um, specifically with world vision, how they're intentionally pressing into child friendly spaces and they're trying to press into what does it look like to help children and teens and families um, as they're experiencing these situations that are incredibly long-term. Yeah, that, yeah, no, absolutely. That was Scott Arbiter that uh, yeah, talked about that 17, mm-hmm. 17 years. And that's something that, the reason I know that is because I referenced it so many times and I remember him saying it and it just blew my mind when I heard it, especially when you talk about average. So 17-year average, that means there are decades, you know, decades, 20, over 20, potentially 30 years in a refugee camp. And that's just crazy. That's, I mean, when you, when you think about that, that's, that's older than my children. That's longer than my children have been alive. Um, that's in so much time to be in, in a place that again, you're, you're displaced. You're, you're not where you're supposed to be mm. and you're not home. I mean, imagine being in a place for so long when you know it's not home. And if you've ever been in that situation, I know I've been there and you know, I've been in places that I've loved, mm-hmm. but it's not home. Yes. Right. And, and that's something that is, you know, we just got to remember that, like, how can we love these people in the midst of that? Right. How can we love these people in the midst of that? And I, and I, I'm looking now and just seeing, uh, the idea that you talk about these idea, these things, sometimes I hope this isn't out of sight, out of mind. I hope this isn't something that's in one ear out the other. I hope that these interviews that we've been able to have with these people are something that you take with you and you actually apply it to how you love how you love those around you, how you love the neighbor that just moved into your neighborhood, how you love somebody who appears to be uncomfortable in a situation. If you see someone moving in and maybe a first generation person, maybe they're not a refugee, but they're just learning about how to live in America. You know, these different things that we can, we can really engage in our community, engage in those around us. Um, I, I, I just now see, you know, Jody Jackson Tucker talking about Orphan Sunday coming up. If you have an Orphan Sunday at your church, or if you don't, I encourage you to, to start one, talk to your pastor about doing Orphan Sunday this year and really highlighting the refugee crisis, highlighting this. And Orphan Sunday, the materials, the resources on that episode, they, they, they do it for you, really. I mean, they give you everything you need for that. Um, that's, that's an easy way to engage these issues. Krishkandaya gave us so much wisdom 
And his book, God is Stranger, um, goes into depth about these different things. I know that's coming out in the U.S. here pretty soon. You can, you can get it on Kindle as well right now. But uh, he goes through the theological underpinnings of these issues. He goes through how, you know, so many were refugees throughout the Bible. And, you know, and how, again, how we can love, how God calls us to love. And that's, that's just, you know, I, I love how each of these um, organizations, the thing you talked about there with World Vision and Child Friendly Spaces, it, it, it just triggered in my head the collaboration that I'm hearing about with all these organizations. They all know they can't even touch this issue. Same way we can't touch the orphan crisis with one organization or two or ten. We need each other. How World Vision would say, hey, we don't do a lot in the U.S. Steve was like, you know, these aren't our issues of vetting and resettlement, really. That's World Relief. I got some great friends at World Relief doing this. World Relief kept talking about there's nine or ten other organizations doing this stuff with us. And that's the stuff that I get excited. I, I get so excited because it tells me that they are, they are doing this humbly. They're doing this in a way that they are doing their part, but they know there's so much more. And that includes us, right? That includes you. It includes me. It includes everyone listening to this podcast that we are called to love, right? And, and these, these folks who are, who are coming to us are just one way we can love. Um, and so, so yeah, so that, that's, that's why, you know, I really wanted to start off the podcast with Krish because of his, you know, underpinnings theologically and, and the guy has done so much, um, and so that was, that was why we started that off. So again, if you haven't heard that, go back. It's episode 57. Um, and, uh, and he really, I think he kicked it off with something that we all need to hear. Yeah, you know, I think too, just in listening to what you were just saying there, Phil, one of the things that kept running through my mind is I think so often we think, well, this really doesn't impact me or I really don't know anyone that's a refugee or this isn't really happening in my hometown or I don't travel internationally and I don't think I'm ever going to be a part of a ministry. I think what that might look like for some of us is that um, if, if you have children in your home or if you have teenagers, it's having intentional conversations. It's it's learning about these topics so that you can talk to your kids about these things. Um, mm. We live in a privileged, most of us live in a very privileged setting here in America. And so being able to press in and, and talk to your kids about differences, and maybe that looks like even in your community, literally seeking out an opportunity to find a refugee family um, just to teach your kids and, and see if there's any way that you guys could become involved potentially. I know um, my husband's so great at this. He naturally just thrives in this area and there was a family that um, had come to the seminary here um, in Louisville from Ethiopia and my big kids are from Ethiopia and so it was like hook, line, and sinker. My husband was a beeline right straight to that family. Like, what do you need? And like, he <laughs> organized so many things and just helping that family to become settled through meals and even helping find a vehicle and clothing and furniture. And, um, so just even being willing to have those conversations with your children, um, especially if your kids attend a school setting of being able to talk about differences. That's so, so important as we raise our kids and teenagers, we don't live in a world, uh, where we can afford to be um, ignorant through that statement of colorblindness. And I did use that word and that may seem a little bit harsh, but we know for a fact that saying that differences don't exist is not healthy when we're teaching children about um, differences and the reality of racism. 
Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that that's, you know, it brings me to what I wanted to talk about as well. And it's, it's really the, you know, involve the, the interconnectedness as we talk so much about on this show, but how many children are affected, how many orphaned and vulnerable children are affected, um, by the refugee crisis, how many, um, become orphaned, uh, you know, even when families are separated, uh, so how many are, uh, in refugee camps as a result of conflict, as a result of death, as a result of something else, disease that's going on in, in some of these places. Um, and especially in the camps, you know, disease runs rampant. I mean, in these camps where there's unsanitary conditions where, and this, those are some of the things that are, that are forgotten in these places. You know, it's not just that they don't have jobs. It's not just that they're struggling in, in a, in a place where they're displaced. It's that they're, they're in these tight quarters with really unsanitary conditions a lot of the times. And so, you know, I think there are definitely some awesome things going on, like child-friendly spaces we heard with the trauma, uh, care that, that, uh, Jacqueline Isaac's doing there that, that the movie, uh, Iraq, the forgotten hope talked about with some of the other, um, programs that are going on for these children. But at the end of the day, you know, we really need to understand how we can come into that and help these children to, you know, as you talked about with the Ask Dr. Karen segments that we had in the mini sessions going on throughout this series as well, just these, the complex trauma that goes on, you know, this vicarious trauma sometimes with the different, the caregivers, the different other people that are, that are involved with this, where we have, you know, the resilience and all these different issues that, that you talked about that all come into play in this, all these attachment stuff that we've talked about in the past, you know, everything is going on in these camps that, you know, can't be neglected. And so it's, it's encouraging to see what's going on, but there were several people that I've talked with in the last few weeks and, you know, during the course of this show, doing some other work that I'm working on over in Iraq. And, uh, I, I heard so much about different trauma care that is happening and people are coming into that to, uh, be able to take care of some of these children, but the need is so massive that they're like, we can't, we can't even touch it right now. And they're, 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 they're starting it and they're working on it. But I think there's so many different ways. I mean, if there is expertise that you have in that area, if you're listening to this show, you know, maybe seek out some ways that you can do some of this Skype, you know, or, or other, uh, trauma care. If you can go in person, obviously that's fantastic, but sometimes that's not possible. But I know Karen, you talked about that. And I even asked the, the, the question, is it, is it, effective. And you said, absolutely. And you did to do it yourself. And, you know, I know that you're doing some teaching, you're doing some training, you're, you know, going to Ethiopia, you know, to do some stuff. And so there's, there's different ways that you can use your skills, even if you're not a, you know, clinical psychologist or, or other, you know, trained through TBRI, there are ways you can love children in the midst of this. And that's something that, you know, we wanted to highlight as well, obviously being the Think Orphan podcast, but, Karen, what do you think about all that? Yeah, um, well, you know where I land on the trauma stuff. I'm really excited that um, there's organizations, uh, especially over the last 10 years, that are really, really having their eyes eyes opened and staying open of the veracity of mental health and the, the veracity of trauma and how that impacts 
um, children and teenagers and families and these long-standing ramifications when children experience complex trauma. And so um, I'm encouraged by that. I get really invigorated and excited thinking about um, even for me, like 15 years ago when I was starting my career and, and wondering, like, how can I get connected in these ways? My heart is for this and just wanting to encourage any possible listeners out there who are mental health care professionals or training to be a mental health care professional just to seek out those opportunities you know send me an email give me a call contact phil get in touch with people that um, may even be able to direct you to other opportunities to get involved Um, there is so much need for that especially from um, a christ-centered perspective there's a huge need to help children and teenagers and families um, through healing and through um, you know scientifically empirically supported treatments for trauma that's incredibly important yeah you know and i I think that that's really a good place to to wrap it up here and you know karen do you have any last uh last minute uh things to share or about this anything to wrap up this uh yeah. Your thoughts on the refugee crisis yeah, series? You know, I think if, if for those of you that were able to listen to a couple or maybe that you were able to listen into the entire series, one of the themes that we heard over and over again was intentionality and authenticity within relationships. And I think that's incredibly important, not just for those of us who are engaged in working with children um, who've been orphaned or have vulnerable situations that they're growing up in or um, people who are involved in the refugee crisis. But I think we're called to that as brothers and sisters in Christ, that authenticity and having true relationships and to have a true and healthy relationship, there has to be intentionality. And in those relationships, we do find comfort and we find healing. And um, that was all throughout this series of really genuinely trying to press into children and teenagers and families who've experienced this these awful situations um, as refugees and really trying to build that intentional, true relationship with children or teenagers or families. Yeah, absolutely. Intentionality, that's such a, such a critical thing in so much of this work, right? I mean, we need to be intentional. We, we can't just do this stuff willy-nilly. And, you know, and that's what I saw with every one of these guests. Um, every one of them is doing their work with such intentionality with such, you know, passion, with such, you know, real, you know, their, their work is doing amazing, amazing things. Um, but it's not just going at it with a, you know, shotgun approach, you know, they're going in, studying it, understanding the issues and really understanding what their role is in these issues. And I I encourage all of us to do that in everything we do, really. Um, whatever work we're doing in the context of these different, these different issues. Uh, I do encourage you folks out there, if you're, you know, this is the first thing you're listening to about this, uh, go back and listen to this series. I mean, I learned so much from it. Um, and I, I studied a lot of it before doing this series and I learned so much from each, uh, interview from the conversations I've been having with you, Karen. I've learned from that. I've learned from the, you know, the, um, ask Dr. Karen segments, just from all the different things we've been able to do. I've learned so much and I, I encourage you out there to, to really go back and, and listen to them. If you haven't listened to all of them, if you have listened to them, go back and listen to some more because I think that. The one thing that, that really stuck out to me was the, again, the complexity of this issue. Um, we weren't able to 
cover all the complexity of it over these. We want to give a taste of, of it so that everyone can go study it more and deeper. And that's really what we're hoping for with all these episodes is really to give you a taste of what these people are doing, to give you a taste of the interconnectedness, of the complexity of these issues, but also the simplicity of what your response may be, right? The, you know, as we heard in one of the early episodes with Chris Marlowe, where he said, doing good is simple. So it's not easy, but it's simple, right? right? And I think that there is some of that simplicity in the context of how we can just maybe take our refugee to the grocery store and help them shop, right? You know, or where we heard earlier with one of the other episodes with foster care, you know, I do foster care by mowing people's lawns who have foster kids, right? right? You know, these are ways that are simple ways potentially, um, you know, but it does take thought. It does take time. It's not easy, so to speak, but that's something that I hope we can take away from this series. I hope we can take away from really a lot of this show that we're talking about, um, the different ways we can get involved with loving the orphan and the vulnerable. And so, you know, folks out there, if, 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 you know, you have any thoughts on this, if you have any questions, if you have any comments that you want to give to us, you can do so at thinkorphan.com. You can send us an email at info at thinkorphan.com. You can go on Facebook and, and make some comments on our Think Orphan page to any of these uh, posts about these different episodes. Um, you know, we, we love, we, we love hearing from you. We love feedback. If you have, you know, want to rate us on iTunes, um, that helps us, helps get the show out there. Uh, and we love, love feedback. So please, please give it to us. Also, you know, we've been asked to, if, if, if you want to be able to uh, donate and help this show, but help us to be able to expand and be able to get out there and do more through this podcast, you can do that by giving at providenceworld.com and go to the giving page and just, you know, give a gift to, to the Think Orphan podcast. Uh, and that will keep us, you know, being able to do this and be able to, to encourage you and hopefully challenge you and challenge ourselves really to continually be seeking how we can love orphan and vulnerable children better and better each and every day. Thanks a lot. Have a great week. We hope you've enjoyed today's Think Orphan podcast. For all the information in this week's podcast, please visit us at thinkorphan.com. You too can be part of the conversation. Send your questions to info at thinkorphan.com or join us on the Think Orphan Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again on the next edition of Think Orphan.